The Dave Nemo Radio Show and Pod Wheels powered by Radio Nemo are in Columbus, Ohio for the 2023 National Truck Driving and National Step Van Championships, hosted by the American Trucking Associations. This is a special podcast series highlighting the people and happenings of NTDC 2023. From Columbus, here's Jimmy Mack. We're actually waiting for Tony Sparrow's grandkids to arrive. Three of them, right? Yes, sir. Three of them. They're here to watch Pop's last truck driving championship. How old are they? My grandson's four, granddaughter two, granddaughter one. I bring this up, guys, by the way, because Tony Sparrow, who joins us this morning, an unbelievable driver for ABF Freight, and it's good to see you again, by the way. It's good to see you. It's been a year, but it's good. It's been a year, but I've been talking about this. You know, I'm a big, big fan of doing the Reese Across America experience at their driver's lounge. This is one of my favorite things to do, too, because it's the best foot forward for the industry, and one of the ways the best foot gets put forward is family. Yes. So many people here, like I said, I can't tell you guys, and they'll roll in over the course of the day, the kids, the nephews, the nieces, the grandkids they fall in love with trucking we had bob bramwell earlier on with byron they were both here he actually gets that love when he wasn't thinking about going to the swimming pool he was watching his daddy do this competition how long have you been doing this by the way this is my 26th year and this is it i'm done yes sir i'm going to retire from working this year be a full-time grandpa but i'm always going to be involved with the truck time championships and volunteer any way i can to help out that's another big kind of tradition that continues here as well. The number of people, we talked to Dick Gillespie yesterday. We were talking to the senator just in a little bit. But people need to understand that so much of what happens here happens because of volunteers. People yeah. who have kind of stuck around and had such a good time, they want to be a part of the action. People who actually finish second in the competitions will volunteer and find their way over here to be a part of it to see where they'd like to be the following year and all that kind of stuff. Take me back to the beginning, Tony, in regards to who you were working for and your first competition. Well, I started competing in 1996 for ABF Freight, which I've been working for for 34 years. We went to the state competition kind of blind, didn't know what we were doing. Didn't go so well that first year. The second year, in 97, the driver was supposed to be in the tank class, and they put him in five-axle. And he raised his hand, he said, I signed up for tank, but you have me in five-axle. Coordinator said, well, if I get two more drivers in tank, I'll run the class. And not thinking, I just threw my hand up, and I won the class. It bit me ever since then, and I've been fortunate enough to come back quite a few times. That's the bite. One of two things happen. I find that the people who get the bite, it happens in two ways. One, they come to their first event, and they just do terrible, and it just gnaws at them. So they spend the rest of the year with all the lessons they learned from that first bad experience, honing the skills to get back here and do a better job. You actually are both experiences, first year, but then you find out that there's something that you really love, where you kind of go, oh, wait a minute, I'm really good at this. Let me ask you this question. Too. Do you find that people will often change their career path based on how well they do at this particular thing? The idea that it's like, well, wait a minute, I'm good at like tanker. Wait, I'm good at flatbed. I did a really good job with that. Maybe I should do that. Hear about that kind of stuff happening? I've never heard about that, but I like to compete in the flatbed class because I don't drive that. And right. I think it just makes you more professional to win in something you don't drive every day. I've never heard of anybody switching a career path because of what they drive. It's such a good point, too. You talk about Drew Brees playing pickleball and Lynn Swan actually taking ballet classes and all that kind of stuff that you often find that there's a connective tissue between one thing I think also as well too that you actually then shift over to a different class 
for the competitions. It actually forces you to rethink the thing that you're doing for a living in a different way. It makes you safer. Talk about when was your state championship? June 10th this year. We were laughing about this. So it's June 10th, and here we are in August now. Those two and a half months must be just absolutely tense in regards to being out on the road because you're thinking, if I get sideswiped, I've done nothing wrong in an environment where I find myself in a toxic driving environment, and they could cost me everything, right? Everything, yes, it can. It doesn't matter. Where I work, I'm in a congested area every day, and I'm up on 95 and Interstate 95 in Connecticut. Oh! You had me at Connecticut. So talk to me about your best-in-show performance, by the way. Well, at the state, it would have been this year. I cleaned up everything. I had highest score, highest rating, overall grand champion, the most points I ever scored at the state competition. I have won the grand champion in the state of Connecticut six other times, and I've been fortunate enough to win the national title twice, and second and third place finished in the nationals. The national title is such an odd experience, too, because you're not doing well against people who are okay. You're doing well against people who are equally great. When you won it, what does that do for you in regards to where you see yourself? I mean, professionally, you're 34 years with the same company. I mean, like your professional situation is not going to change. You like your company. You like what you're doing. But talk about the impact that it had on you emotionally and what it means in regards to defending that. How do you use the year to stay sharp for this? I pretty much just think about what I did last year. I'm always cautious, but I stay farther away from things because I want to come back and repeat again next year. So I won my first national in 2006. The best part about that for me was one of my sons always came with me. This particular year, my oldest son wanted to come with me, so they were both there and watched Daddy win it the first How time. How old are they now to kind of put you in perspective? you got grandkids, so. My youngest son is 31, and my oldest son is 34 years old today. Well, happy birthday to him. What's his name? <laughs> Anthony Jr. Anthony Jr. Happy birthday to Anthony Sparrow Jr. We're joined by Tony Sparrow, who's a professional driver for ABF Freight. I want to talk a little bit briefly about your own beginnings in trucking because what happened just recently, you got a big standing ovation, didn't you, at your last win, didn't you? And it was incredibly moving from what I understand. If you think about it, 34 years on the road, 34 years of working with the same company, talk about how you got started in the industry because I want our young listeners to understand that there is a route that is a really fun route that brings you to places like this. Actually, I started driving trucks when when I was 18 years old, right out of high school. My father was a professional driver, and that's what I wanted to do. And I got in when I was 18 years old. I couldn't get a good tractor-trailer job until I was 21. But once I got that job, I got a couple years' experience, and someone told me about ABF Freight hiring, and I put in the application, and thank God the rest is history for me because it's been a great company for me. We were actually talking earlier with the general manager of another fleet. Trucking has a recruiting problem. It doesn't have a retention problem. That's what people don't understand. I mean, in the sense that it's like if a company is doing what it's supposed to do, it's much like the military where they're having a hard time getting some people into the military, but once people figure out what they want to do in the military, a lot of them do the full 20, get their retirement package and all that. And that's where we're headed with you, as a matter of fact. Full-time granddad is the destination we're going in. Talk to me about what ABF, in regards to you, why it is you stuck with them for 34 years. Because I want our listeners who are out there, the young kids who have their first job and are looking to get some work experience to maybe catch on with a better carrier or want to stay on with the good carrier, what the terms of success are, not from your standpoint, but what they should look for from a good carrier. They should look for a good carrier that's in business for 100 years. They'd be afraid this year, 100 <laughs> years. By the grace of God, I've been there 34 years of that 100 years, and everything they've ever promised, they've came through on. They've never denied me one red cent that they've owed me, and we are a unionized carrier, and they've always negotiated with our union to give us a great union contract to protect their workers. 
It's so funny. I've always said that often the best way to kind of judge an employee by how official and final their no's are. Because that actually can suggest honor, too. Because sometimes people will look at you and say, we can't do it. And we're never going to be able to do it. And we love you. And maybe we can give you something else. But it's when people overpromise is when the real trouble starts. I've had people in my family who were union people. I've had people on the other side of the table. And a friend of mine once said, he goes, he said, I don't mind the unions. He said, I like a good counterparty. I like somebody who actually can negotiate in good faith. And that's what it seems to me you kind of look for in regards to that. I know they are from talking with the Bobs and the Byrons. How supportive are they in regards to your adventure in this particular thing, in the championships? 110% support every one of us. They are there for us. They do anything they can to help us along the way with study material, practice material, whatever we need. If we even need to rent extra equipment that we don't normally drive for a weekend practice, they're there for us. We ask, and they're there. One of the other things I realized, to anybody that knows this, of course, there's a written element, there's a diagnostic element, and then, of course, most famously, that's what's happening behind Tony and I right now. By the way, you can hear the crowd cheering as people kind of make their way over the course. We've had some people on to kind of touch on this. The written aspect, which happens in the beginning, thank God they get that out of the way. You don't want to be thinking about that behind the wheel of a truck. Because the people who win these things, whether they win on a state or a national level, they win the whole thing. It's your overall score. You can nail one part and screw up another and you don't win. You can finish first in one of the categories and not even come close. Exactly. How do you have a complete contest? How do you create a complete contest? Well, I normally started the beginning of the year. January, the first Sunday in January, I would just take my book from last year and I would go over the part of the book that the questions didn't change because there's a whole section where the questions don't change. I'd read the question and remember the answer. Read the question and remember the answer. And I would do that until the new book came out with the new percentages and the numbers and the dollar amounts and the mileage amount. And then I would just focus on those because I knew the center of the book. I've been very fortunate. I do do very well on the written test. It's interesting, too, by the way, because we were having a great conversation about how to study and all that kind of stuff. And I'm a big highlighter guy, but I highlight stuff I don't know. I'll go through something when I recognize and move on. If I got it, I got it, I move on. I always go back and I highlight the things I don't know and promise myself when I go back and read, that's what I'm going to focus on. Talk about that final element and explain to many of our listeners who, like I said, many of whom are just getting started, looking for the right carrier, looking to get involved in stuff like this, that final element. So we have the written test, we have the driving test. What's the final one? The pre-trip inspection test. Every day I do a pre-trip inspection and a post-trip inspection, but I know what to look for so my truck is safe. At this competition, they plant defects that you have to find. For example, they'll put a bag of sugar in the overhead compartment, which represents drugs. They'll put a water pistol in, represents a gun. Or they'll take a piece of tape and put it on the frame and make it like a cracked frame. They'll rub a brake light. They'll take a windshield wiper off. They plant defects that we have to find in a very short amount of time. Nine minutes to do <laughs> Fast as nine minutes of your life. Well, i got to tell you, it's like one of those things, too. Is there a strategy for doing it where you move quickly and then slow down? How do you approach that? Because the thing is, what is the great line? We slow down to hurry up sometimes. Right. Sometimes you have to actually take a moment to actually get through the moment. Right, right exactly. There's no right way or wrong way to do the pre-trip inspection. It's the way that makes you comfortable in this competition. So I always start at one particular spot. I go around the truck in one particular area, and then I end up right where I started. And I try to practice it where I narrow it down so I'm at one certain part of the truck in eight minutes. And then I know from here to the end, I have a minute, I can slow down, relax, and finish it up. 
We've been on the road since we were 18. We've been behind the wheel of a rig since we were 21. We've been 34 years of the same company. What have you seen in regards to the last 34, 40 years that has changed for the better, that makes you really happy? And what would you like to see more of in regards to the quality of drivers and the quality of people out here on the road, other than seeing more people who attend stuff like this? Because here, anybody that would come here would walk out of here and think, oh, trucking's fine. That's the other thing, too. Well, what have you seen that has changed that you've been really excited about? What has made your life easier? It's a hard life, even with all the bells and whistles. What have you been really happy about over the last 40 years for drivers? I've liked some of the new technology they've come up with to make it easier for us to see in our blind spots, the collision mitigation systems that warn us if somebody's in our blind spots, basically stuff like that. And all this stuff is electronics, so you can't become complacent because electronics fail. Well, that's what these competitions are for, I think, in a lot of ways, is to remind you that at the end of the day, these are all tools that amplify an already good driver. It's kind of like one of those things where you have these like quarterbacks who use new sleep technologies and all that kind of stuff, but they can't rely on it. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, there's still a giant linebacker coming to take you out, and you got to get the ball out of your hands as fast as possible. What is it? The tools should actually amplify an already great driver. They can't create a great driver, exactly. right? Exactly. The driver still has the ultimate responsibility of driving that truck safely. Okay. So we talk about the grandkids. We talk about what retirement means. We've got a couple of regular callers on my show are men and women who, after 40, 50 years, have hung it up and are enjoying it. I'm looking at Tony right now, by the way. He's got a lot of life and a lot of health in front of him. That's an important part, too. I want to know how you've taken care of yourself, not your equipment. I know it's a hard life. I know you got the bumps and the bruises of the road and all that. But you look like you're doing okay. How do you take care of yourself? Because, you know, in order to be an athlete, you've got to be in decent shape. I mean, we don't have people having to stuff themselves into these trucks here. I mean, how do you maintain a decent physique? How do you maintain decent health when you're out there on the road? My particular job is called a P&D driver, which is pickup and delivery. So I'm not constantly behind the wheel. I'm actually backing in multiple times during the day, getting out, moving heavy freight, loading heavy freight. So I'm constantly doing a lot of physical labor during the day. Tony, I mean, we know people who do a lot of physical labor during the day who blow their knees out, who have to get shoulder surgeries. And I don't know your medical background, but like I said, a lot of people get to the end of those kind of jobs and are more broken down because of it. I mean, are you home every night? I am home every night, That's a big difference, isn't it? It is. That helps. I get my good sleep in my own bed. And I'm not going to lie, I do have the aches and pains, but I do push through them. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's impossible to do a job like this, I mean, without having aches and pains. Even the best-kept athlete in any sport, I mean, let's face it, I mean, even Tom Brady is walking around with a limp. What is it, the great line that truckers and athletes work under the kind of conditions that most of us wouldn't get off the couch from? If half these people felt what our knees sometimes feel like, what people out there's knees feel like, they would not want to leave the house. I was all getting to this because along with spending time with your grandkids, what are you going to do with your retirement? I'm probably not going to stop work because you just can't ask a working man to stop working. No. So the ball will be in my court. I'm, maybe I'll be a Walmart greeter. I don't know, but I'm going to do something just to occupy a little bit of time and keep my sanity, but I'm still going to be a 100% grandpa. Make you feel good. Dave Nemo, of course, who this show is named after, he continues to work three days a week. My dad retired in his 70s. He's now 80 years old. He got so ants in the pants, he now is a member of a committee that actually does judicial reviews at the Louisiana Supreme Court. He's 80 years old. He said the idea of not being in the action is such an important part. Is there anybody you want to thank? You just want to say thank you to who has been with you and watched this whole thing? I would say my wife. I mean, pretty much any woman can say, oh, I can date a truck driver or I can marry a truck driver, but it takes a real woman to stay with that truck driver because of the hours that we work. How long y'all been together? 
42 years. 17 right. when I met her. She was 19. We got married in 87, so we've been married going on 36 years this year. Oh, wow. She's here with me this time. How long were you all together before you got married? About six years. I was only 17, so I couldn't like get married. I understand. I wanted to make sure I had a good job so that I could provide and support her. And you got 34 years under your belt here at ABF. What are you guys going to do for fun while you're here? Well, like I said, today's my oldest son's birthday, so I'll probably take him out and do something with him and the grandkids, maybe the zoo or something like that. That's really nice. i got to tell you, one of the things I've noticed over the course of the decade, I've been doing this in various forms, the changes in cities you must have seen. I arrive in Nashville now, Tony. I get off the airplane, and they're cutting the ribbon on, like, new restaurants every yes. time I arrive there. I got to Columbus. When did Columbus go from being a college town to this massive, sprawling city? It's a big place now. It's always been big because of the university, but, man, it's like the world just seems to keep on unfolding and getting stranger and bigger at the same time. Tony Sparrow has joined us. It's really good to see you again, man. It's good to see you. Thanks and, for having me. And by the way, please tell your wife we said hello. Tell her congratulations on your success because it's hers as well, as you just nicely pointed out. Tell your son happy birthday. And please, please tell those grandchildren that you're going to spend as much time with them as you can. I will. Thank you. Thanks for spending part of your day with Pod Wheels, powered by Radio Nemo's coverage of NTDC 2023. Check back with us on podwheels.com for more of our podcast features as we work to take you inside the championship event. You can also keep up with all the episodes of this special event series by subscribing to this podcast. Just search National Truck Driving Championships and hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.